Welcome to the 21 News Podcast. I'm Lindsay McCoy, the anchor of 21 News at 5 p.m. And one of the biggest stories that's evolving out of the Youngstown region is the birth and then the growth of the electric vehicle manufacturing sector. It replaces the prior manufacturing sector with, you know, the traditional auto jobs. This is what our region is known for, are the auto plants, the auto workers, the UAW. And we have Foxconn. They bought the former GM Lordstown plant from Lordstown Motors. And it's planning to produce a variety of products on its production lines. Also nearby in the village of Lordstown is the Altium Cells EV battery plant. That's a joint venture between GM and another company. And since the battery plant has gone up, workers at Altium Cells, they have voted to join the United Auto Workers Union. Joining the union has a long history here in the Mahoning Valley from representing GM workers to the donations that they provide to the community. You may not know, they definitely supported the March of Dimes. They supported the Mahoning, uh, rather Warren family mission with some of their donations and families were in need, especially when we had the pandemic hit. At the same time, local universities, they're working on programs, offering training to people who want to join the EV sector. We're seeing this at YSU and Kent State University nearby. So coming up, I'm going to touch base with another industry analyst out of Detroit. But first, I'm joined now by fellow journalist uh, who has worked in the Youngstown area. She has roots for her career and personal life here and now working for the Detroit News as their autos reporter, Kaylee Hall. Kaylee, thank you for joining me. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, Lindsay, thanks for having me. Always yes, you know, folks from the Valley. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're a longtime reporter. And now you're, you know, in the home of the big three reporting yeah. on all of this, which I find fascinating because you're in the mix. You're getting to hear and learn a lot of stuff. And the first yeah. question I have for you, uh, because we're reporting heavily on all cells and the fact that they have workers mm -hmm. that have now decided to join the UAW. Uh, I'm wondering, do you know what their concerns are, why they sought out rep? representation from the UAW? What might be the biggest sticking points at the table when they go to bargain later this month? Yeah, I mean, so the folks I spoke to, there was some frustrations, um, you know, when they got into the plan and started working. I'm trying to remember some of the specifics. There was like, in some one area, they were like not, they didn't have a hand wash station. And so, you know, there were some safety things that they really wanted in place. But beyond that, um, it is a union town. And I think, you know, from the beginning, before GM even put shovels into the ground, it was discussed if this would be a union facility. So I think workers there kind of assumed at some point it would. Um, but I know that there was some health and safety concerns. And obviously, they, there's pay concerns because, you know, the UAW sees these plants as taking over for their powertrain plants, um, you know, their engine plants. Mm -hmm. And those folks make 32 bucks an hour. Um, the folks at Ultium make just over 16. So that is definitely going to be a big topic of discussion going into these negotiations. Um, you know, how, how much they actually get in terms of raises, it, I guess we'll be, we'll see, we'll find out how that's going to play out because GM does see these, these plants as supplier plants. They don't, you know, see them as um, they're not a part of the national contract at least not now. So, um, I mean, only one plant is organized. They have plans for four so far, and only one of the four is organized. Um, and obviously the UAW will look to organize the other ones as well. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they see this as an opportunity to keep the union strong, but also yeah. there are concerns with safety. I know the UAW has safety reps assigned to each plant yeah. usually. Isn't that right? Okay. So this is something that I definitely I wanted to know more about. And that's interesting that yeah. you mentioned, you know, the hand washing station, having those resources handy, especially right. they're working with different materials, working there- with chemicals. So you want to be able to have access to soap and water if needed. You know. Now, when it comes to Foxconn, the lines inside of that facility, including yeah. the endurance for Lordstown Motors, do you believe we're going to see production lines rolling where we start to see inventory coming out of that plant more so than just a few at a time and just yeah. Um, I'm not uh, very familiar about what exactly Foxconn has planned. I've heard, you know, bits and pieces. Obviously, Lordstown is actually producing and has, from what I understand, uh, you know, product has come out of the plant. Um, and I know there's been talks of like Fisker making a, a product there. Um, and I've heard a tractor, if that's correct, some sort of farm equipment. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they, how Foxconn utilizes that plant. I mean, from what I've, you know, read, um, really like Foxconn was like, they, they needed, Lordstown needed Foxconn to come in or else Lordstown would probably cease to exist. So um you know, bringing that in obviously gives them the gives Lordstown the the backup that they needed to um, actually start production. Are so, you seeing that across the industry, or is Lordstown kind of its own situation where it's a yeah. startup? It's kind of putting things together. Whereas you know, GM Ford, they have the foundation. They just need to add, like you mentioned, with Altium, some mm-hmm. you know supply chains, and then they can start making the EVs. Yeah. Um, I, so the, here's the thing, startups realize, I, I think they do realize from the beginning, this is a very expensive business to be in, right? But then once you start getting into it, and then on top of it, you know, in Lordstown's case, they started prior to the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, and that just really messed up the supply chain. And as we've seen, just going to the grocery store, we spend more money on groceries. Well, imagine what they're spending on supplies to make a, you know, a vehicle, um, and Rivian has, you know, seen that all of the automakers are experiencing an increase in supply costs and logistics costs and all of that. So, um, but with GM and Ford and the bigger automakers, they know, you know, they have like, they have the money to handle it and they have, um, they have the resources to be able to know how to work through it, but it's definitely difficult for a smaller startup company. Um, so, you know, you have to work through that and figure out how can we make this 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 happen and actually get product out the door and it's it's really difficult um you know tesla struggled in the beginning too so um yeah i think there's lessons to be learned as you're going through this and it's 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 just been especially hard during the pandemic and all the supply chain issues we've seen yeah that's interesting mindset to have what about when you mentioned General Motors doing the battery plants? There's a map. I don't know if you follow. I follow this uh, publication for the EV sector online. It's called Electric. Yeah. And they're reporting on essentially a belt forming yeah. throughout the country. And you see it. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of, you know, a little more to the east, but yeah. hey, we're off I-80. <laughs> and um, we're part of the mix when it comes to, you know, GM's plans. Do you think that we're just going to see all the concentration of manufacturing really try to magnetize, go to that region because that's mm-hmm. where all the suppliers are. And then it just makes more sense with travel. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Midwest makes the most sense for these plants, right? Um, from what experts tell me, it makes sense to have battery plants as close as you can get them to the plants where you're making electric vehicles. So in General Motors case, I mean, they're building a battery plant in Northeast. They've already built it. It's producing in Northeast Ohio. Um, you know, and those those batteries come up to Detroit, which is like three hours. It's not too bad of a drive. But they're, they also have a plant that's um, in operation right next to its Spring Hill facility. Well, they haven't started production yet, but it's going to this year. Um, and then their third plant is located in Lansing, and they haven't started um, you know, construction there yet. But that will be right next. There's two GM assembly plants in Lansing. And um, yeah, so it makes sense to have these facilities close to where you're actually making the vehicles. It just saves money on, you know, trucking them across the country. So um, yeah, I think we will continue to see, we're in such a manufacturing boom right now. I can't believe, you know, growing up in the Valley, it's like, I've just seen manufacturers kind of go away. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> and now replaced. we're seeing like <laughs> billions of dollars in investment. Like I actually, um, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago says that so far through this year, it's like over $70 billion of battery plant investment, uh, $73.6 billion in U.S. and battery, EV and battery investment. So, um, yeah, so we're these not- automakers are really banking. Yes. This taking off. I think that leads us to the next question. I think a lot of folks you talk to- there's mixed opinions on these electric vehicles. Oh, I don't know. Are they reliable? What if I can't charge it? Where do I yeah. charge it? The cost of that. Do you get the sense mm-hmm. that General Motors, Ford, who you you know do stories with from time to time, I'm yeah. sure, and, and the other big automakers, do you think that they have a good sense of how soon consumers are going to latch on? Or do you think, is it a case of, well, we need the infrastructure first to charge before people really jump on the bandwagon? Yeah. I mean, there's no question they analyze, right? Like what percentage of folks are going to purchase by this time like do we do we think you know um but you have to under you have to also understand that a lot of what they're doing is because they kind of have to i mean it, there's there's goals set in place by the Biden administration to sell electric vehicles right so they're doing a lot of these things i mean from GM's perspective they're going all in no hybrids right so right i mean while they did just come out with an, a a hybrid corvette but for the most part, <laughs> no hybrids. average drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With regular um, salaries here. Yeah. They're just going yeah. pure electric, which is, which is a risk, right? Like it, it is, it, it's a big risk. Like Ford still has hybrids and, um, you know, the other automakers, they like Toyota, they've, they've said, you know, they, they are still going to make hybrids. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a definite risk, but they, they also see this as being, you know, that it's, the automaker of the future isn't just like an automaker. General Motors also wants to be known as a tech company. So yes, they're switching to electric vehicles, but they're also really trying to sell you on what they can provide you in that vehicle, the software they can provide you. So when you buy a new car, you're not just buying a car, you're you're buying a whole computer. I mean, there's so much capability with that vehicle now. So um, they're betting that they can actually pull in more money not just from selling cars, but from selling these services they can provide you when you buy that car. Oh yeah. It's like your smartphone on steroids and on wheels. (laughs) Yes. And it can also drive for you, you know, they have like, you know, they have self-driving technology on these newer cars. So uh, the auto industry is just, legacy automakers are really changing their game plan. They're not, 
yes, obviously the cars are going to make the money, but they're not just putting all of the eggs into that basket. They're saying, we're also going to make money on this, on this, and on this. So, you know, they have like Bright Drop is a company that GM formed just a couple of years ago. And this is a company that's making electric delivery vans, but then also services to sell to uh, delivery companies, right? Like software. Mm-hmm. Um, or they have these things that are like electric pallets that just move around like little robots. So they, so that they're, they're building um, businesses outside of, you know, just making vehicles um, and they're going to pull in more money from that. So they've got the business model thought out. What yeah. do you think happens this year? What do you think will be the biggest headline of 2023 then? Let's well, say we start to hear about more production happening. Is is that mm-hmm. really it? Or do you think we're going to hear some bigger headlines? So this is like the year for GM. If we're, if we're talking just General Motors, this is like the big year for General Motors and their electric vehicle launches. They're launching a, the Silverado electric version, and they're launching a Blazer and Equinox electric version. And these are all, you know, on the ice side, the internal combustion side, these are high volume products for them. So these are going to be, they're trying to attract the normal consumer. You know, we've seen their luxury products already. We've seen the Hummer EV, which only a certain number of us can afford or want. (laughs) And then there's the Cadillac Lyric, which is, you know, a luxury crossover electric vehicle. Um, And now this year, we're going to start to see these other vehicles that, you know, normal middle-class folks might be interested in. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a big year for GM in terms of their launches. They're adding, now they're adding more EVs to their lineup because for a long time it was, you have to remember, it's just a Chevy Bolt. Um, And the Bolt is still out there and they've lowered the price last year, um, though they just had to hire it a little bit. Um, So the Bolt's still out there and that's a, that's a car that you can buy under $30,000. So um, I think they're still planning to to grow the interest in electric vehicles with that car as well. And what about the rest of the industry? When you look at the supply yeah. chains forming, will GM do the fourth battery plant maybe with someone else? Yeah, I mean, I think they have to, right? So they need a lot, a lot, a lot of cells. <laughs> so um, they're going to have a fourth, if not a fifth, sixth battery plant. I mean, that's just it just has to happen. So yeah, I think they will, we'll see what happens with this, with the situation with LG and how that, um, you know, materializes, but they'll definitely have to do a battery, a fourth battery plant. they haven't said they aren't, by the way, they've just, uh, they haven't really said much, but, um, you know, there's been some confirmation out there that the partnership between the two companies has for the fourth plant has, um, you know, not worked out, but, um, yeah, for the whole industry, I think what you're going to see this year is just the continuation of more investment, more electric vehicle announcements, um, you know, more excite, more excitement around that and trying to get people interested in it because that's the way forward. You know, that's 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 what they're trying to pitch you on. But at the same time, we have this we have a scary thing happening where there's a potential recession. And, you know, I, I feel like I open. um a new site every day and there's a new layoff announcement, right? Mm-hmm. So and mostly those, process- you know, 20, 2008, 2009 yeah. vibes. We remember <laughs> <Yeah>. those. <laughs> oh yeah. It was not a good time. <laughs> yeah. Mostly across yeah. like the tech sector, but yeah, there when you see layoffs, it's not like uh yeah, it does kind of make you wonder what's what's gonna happen this coming year. And there's a lot of talk about recession. So I think we will see, 
you know, that will probably play in. I'm sure um, people in the Valley have seen really high vehicle prices and like everybody across the nation and experts expect that um, they will have to put some incentives on these cars finally. To get, yeah, them. get them on, you know, a no. lot for us to look at too. Now that the chips are supposedly coming back yes. into the mix, yeah. Uh, hopefully, that Intel plant we have in Ohio helps with that. But yeah. you know, that's still under construction. I think they're starting right now on the building part. It got set back, so who knows? Yeah, but yeah that's that's a good idea to get people in the door, get customers, families looking at these mm-hmm. vehicles to see is this economical for us. I right. just still wonder, you know, the utility end of things, which I know you report on too. Mm-hmm. Can we support the capacity that's needed to charge these electric vehicles yeah. instead of putting gas in a vehicle every week a couple times? You know, that's just definitely yeah. a question a lot of us have. I think there is some concerns among the folks who run like our energy grids for sure, because um renewable energy just it's uh I don't want to say it's not as reliable, but it's just, you know, up and down and there's not really a way, there's not a good storage system for energy, right? So if you have a really good day where you get a lot of sun and that's providing like a hundred megawatts, that's just going on the grid and it's just going out, it's not being stored. So then the next day, if you've got, you know, a, a terrible winter storm, um, you and then the next day you have a terrible winter storm and the next day you have a terrible winter storm. Like, can, I guess the question is like, can we, do we have enough energy to keep us going for three or four days of a storm? And then on top of that, you add in, okay, what if everybody on the block has an electric vehicle charging? There's definitely a lot of questions around it um, um, and yeah. concerns about it for sure. But, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of conversations being had about, is there, are there other forms of energy? Are there other ways to generate energy that we can store it better or that it is, um, not as up and down as like solar or wind. So, um, you know, these are conversations that much more intelligent people are having right now. Well, we'll leave it up to the utilities to figure <laughs> yeah. out those problems. Cause we have outages every other week. It seems like we're reporting on here. So oh, really? yeah, there are a lot of questions. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of folks are, you know, can we even afford that with what's the utility bill going to look like versus the gas yeah. prices? I yeah. think there's some questions there. Maybe that's a conversation for another person, but are they going to cap that so we don't get gouged? Maybe not at the gas pump, but then our, mm-hmm. on our utility bills. Right. There are tax credits to buy the vehicles, so they're trying to create yeah. incentives. I see that happening. Uh, really quick, I guess, you know, is there any final thoughts before we go? Anything that you think you might be reporting on more this year than than maybe you thought originally? Yeah, I mean, this year, on top of it already being like, oh, there could be a recession and, oh, we have all these electric vehicle launches, General Motors and the other uh, Detroit automakers, Ford and Stellantis, which used to be Fiat Chrysler, they are negotiating a new contract with United Auto Workers. Um, It's a very important contract for the UAW because we're obviously getting, we're, we're going deeper into this electric vehicle transition. So, you know, there's, it's it's going to be a tough set of negotiations and um we actually still don't have a president of the UAW because this was the just last year we had the first direct election in uh the UAW and so uh there's a runoff election now between the uh for the president seats specifically so uh UAW president Ray Curry is facing off against Sean Fain 
who actually works for the UAW um, in mm-hmm. under Stel- in Stellantis. Mm-hmm. And so we don't even know who's going to be leading the union during the set of negotiations. So um, definitely a big year for the UAW and to be watching out, you know, how is the union, who's leading the union and how are they going to stay relevant heading into this, um, you know, as we get deeper into this transition? Yeah. They want to obviously keep their, what they have, keep what they've got in terms yes. of benefits and, and, you know, concessions. What will they ask for? It, I can't wait to see what the automakers are. Yeah, gonna it's it's going to be like a, a a back and forth because General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis are spending billions of dollars on electric vehicles, and I mean, obviously, they want lower labor costs, and they also, you know, when it comes to making batteries, they, you know, they're going to argue that they have to stay um, in line with their competition. So I'm talking like the Teslas of the world, and I don't know what Tesla pays its its battery workers, but um, you know, so they're going to try to keep it at a lower level than what their assembly plant workers are for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's, it's going to be a back and forth. Yeah. I'm well-versed on that. I <laughs> grew up in a UAW home and uh, my dad was a rep. So yeah, I, well, you know, those times awesome. are hard on, well, yeah, except for when we had the recession, it was a very tough time and, you know, uncertainty about, you know, plants right. and, you know, there's layoffs yeah. and, you know, it, it was an interesting, you know, upbringing, but you learn mm-hmm. a lot about the industry itself. And the one thing I do, you know, despite all the talks and all this, it's a great industry to be in because the workers are so yeah. proud that they're building a product that they're proud of, that they see on the road every right. day. Kind of right. like our stories, we see it in print or on TV. Yeah. Right? We made that with our hands and our brains and our, yeah. you know, everything in our body. And uh, it's just, it's it's a nice thing to watch evolve, but this is probably going to be contentious. I think you're right. <laughs> I'll yeah. be watching your reporting, Kaylee, because I know be they've been doing your... this for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll, you'll be, be on the, the ground. Yeah. To find out what's happening in Altium. Um, it's yes. going to be, that's also going to be an interesting set of negotiations because we, yeah, but we the don't prices. know what they'll, uh, what they'll get out of it. So. Well, I really appreciate you joining me here yeah. on the podcast. This was a great conversation just to learn more about what's happening. I think we hear the headlines of, you know, this is coming here and this is getting built there. So then what? And that's what I wanted to provide people today on the podcast. So yeah. thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love yeah. talking about the auto industry. It's cool. It's a fascinating industry and it impacts the Valley uh, immensely. All right. Thank you for listening to the 21 News Podcast. I'm Lindsay McCoy. We're going to take another drive here down a more narrow road, focusing on the EV battery plants and where these investments are starting to pop up in our local economies. If you take a look at a map, something published by Electric, that online publication I mentioned, you start to see all the EV battery plants are getting built in the Midwest. So we have Lordstown off of I-80, you have plants in Michigan, then you just draw a line to the south and it's starting to form a belt into Tennessee. You have different plants popping up. So where could these investments continue to be built? How will this affect our economy in the U.S.? This is something a lot of folks are watching, including someone that I lean on often in my reporting here at 21 News on the auto industry, AutoLine auto industry analyst John McElroy. He's been in Detroit for his career, and he's watched General Motors and other companies with their business practices and weighed in. And we're asking him to tell us a little bit more about what's being called now the battery belt. John, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Yes. So I want to start with the latest development regarding General Motors. They were in the headlines, the automaker announcing that it is not moving forward in building a fourth EV battery plant with LG. Why do you think that that's not panning out? 
Well, there's a lot going on here, but here's how I understand it. GM is not going to build that fourth battery plant with LG, but it might do that with somebody else. That plant, by the way, looks like it was going to go into Indiana. But here's what I think LG is looking at. It's already working on three battery plants with General Motors, including the one in Lordstown. It's also going to be building another battery plant in Ohio with Honda and one in Canada with Stellantis. That's a lot on the plate. And that's just in the United States. LG has other projects going on elsewhere in the world. Also, it might be a little bit concerned. Are electric vehicles really going to catch on as fast as these companies seem to think? Or maybe it's better to wait and see what actually develops. But meanwhile, General Motors has said or hinted at that it's talking to another battery supplier. So it may well be that that fourth battery plant does get built, but maybe not with LG. Yeah, a lot of speculation on that consumer demand, like you mentioned, too. Uh, Auto reporter Kaylee Hall, she's with the Detroit News. She is reporting on the United Auto Workers. They're going to go to the table later this month with all team cells. Uh, They obviously want to push for higher wages. Do you believe that they'll reach a deal quickly, given the investments to get these EV vehicles out to market for customers to even just look at? I do believe that they'll reach a deal relatively quickly. I mean, there's going to be a lot of negotiating back and forth. But I think when the dust settles, those wages will be higher, maybe not to a master contract level, uh, but nonetheless, they'll be significantly higher than what they are right now. Because, look, wages are going up everywhere, and General Motors and LG are going to have to be able to compete for that by paying higher wages. Now, I mentioned the so-called EV belt of plants starting to form. Uh, Do you think that maybe the manufacturing is going to focus on certain regions if the UAW is in the mix or not in the mix? What's your anticipation for where you see these starting to pop up here in the Midwest and as you take a look toward the east? Well, you know, it's pretty obvious. The the bulk of these battery plants are going into the southeast. Uh, They're aligned with foreign automakers, not GM and Ford, not even Stellantis. And, you know, it, it's pretty obvious. They they think they can avoid getting unionized by the UAW. They believe that uh, operating costs are going to be lower in the southeast of the United States. Um, and so probably the only battery plants that will be built in the traditional Midwest area, that is, uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, are going to be with GM and Ford and Stellantis. The rest of them are going to be south of the Mason-Dixon line. Now, do you believe Lordstown's Foxconn and Altium Cells plants are in a position to attract other feeder supplier companies to come into the Moaning Valley region? I do. You know, remember that that Lordstown battery plant, it it probably is uh, not anywhere near line speed. It's going to continue to, to ramp up. I believe that's going to attract other suppliers into the area, battery component suppliers, that is. And with Foxconn having taken over the old GM assembly plant in Lordstown and uh, with a contract to build cars for Fisker and it's going after other automakers that it wants to build cars for, that will almost undoubtedly be a magnet for other suppliers to come into the region as well. So I would say those, those two facilities are going to bode well for the Lordstown area. All right, good news. Always watching this closely with us, John. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise, as always. And that wraps up our 21 News podcast. I'm Lindsay McCoy. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. And make sure you're subscribing to the 21 News podcasts. We're always trying to bring you more stories in depth beyond the headlines.